are situated pretty good. Listen, I'm going to pray over the word tonight. I'd really appreciate it if you guys would agree with me tonight for the word. Let's pray. Um, the word of God is awesome and powerful. The Bible says it's like a two-edged sword. And God promises that his word will not return void. So we're going to believe together. As this goes out through the internet, through our ministry, and we get uh, correspondence back for, through the internet from people in other parts of the world that listen to our sermons. So that when I preach, I'm not just talking in this room. It goes out there. So please agree with me because I want God to use this as far as he wants to use it. And you know, the winds of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he can blow this thing all over the world. Amen. All right, so Father, we lift up the word tonight. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we love you, and we just bless you tonight. And I thank you so much that we're able to be in your presence and hear the word of the Lord. And I pray tonight as we're going to get into this together, Lord, that you would anoint me, and Lord, that you would speak through me your words of life. And I think about the parable of the seed and the sower. Lord, let this word tonight be living seeds of truth that will be sown out. And Lord, I pray that everybody that's going to be hearing this, Lord, that they, even now, the Holy Spirit will begin to move upon them. And Lord, that would captivate our minds and help us to get focused. As the enemy tries to distract, but it's not going to work. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit right now, prepare our hearts and minds to be good soil, our minds to be able to get focused, and that the Holy Spirit anoint our eyes and ears and give us eyes and ears of the Spirit. But let this go out as living seeds of truth sown into that good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, and cause it to take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, we pray that your word, that there'd be a washing of the water of the word to purify your people. Lord, I pray tonight as we've been dealing with this specific series, let your word go out like a hammer that's going to break down the strongholds and the deception of the enemy. Amen. Y'all agree with that? Let your word break through these things. Let your word penetrate as a sword and pierce through and get where it needs to go. Lord, let your word be light of truth that will shine and dispel all the darkness and bring truth and revelation. Lord, we pray over the word tonight. Lord, I pray that the winds of the spirit will carry this where it needs to go. And, Lord, that it will accomplish everything you sent it for to do. And, Lord, I pray tonight that um, we agree together it will not return void, but it will accomplish that we sent for to do. And the Bible says that the birds of the air try to steal the seed, and that's the enemy. So, Lord, corporately, we agree together. We bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. They would try to hinder this word in any way. We bind you now in the name of Jesus. Back off. And, Lord, we thank you for hearing and answering our prayers we believe and we expect it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So I've been dealing with doctrines of demons based on 1 Timothy 4.1. And we're continuing in that. And I've dealt with some things. Let me recap. If you guys can just give me your best ear for a moment. So as I've been going through this, I've been dealing with some actual very important information. And before we get into the substance of this sermon tonight, just let me kind of recap. But Satan's main target is always going to be the gospel. And there's been in America, this is a recap from weeks ago, but there's been an element of a counterfeit gospel. And what I mean by that, well, there's multiple counterfeit gospels, but by and large, one of the things we see a lot of is where it's just a ritual-based, you know, somebody will preach and say, come down, kneel, repeat these words after me, and then you're good to go. Number one, that, that's not biblical. You're not going to find that in the Bible. Number two, the problem a lot of times is those people have never been born again. Okay? And so just because somebody goes to church, just because somebody 
says, uh, repeats a phrase or whatever, unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. So there's going to have to be a new birth, and there's been a ritual-based, works-based, and then I dealt with the institutionalized church. I dealt with that as well, that in many cases, many places have made the gospel into something that's based almost on church membership, where you're part of our group, you do what we say do, you don't do what we say don't do, you're good to go. Salvation is not found through any church. It's only going to be found through the Lord Jesus Christ, and it has to be a new birth and a relationship, okay? So I've been dealing with this. This is serious issues, but I'm telling you um, that there are many, many people out there. Um, it reminds me of Matthew 7, 21 area where it talks about Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we did all this, but Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. How many people out there go to church, but if they were to die, would end up in hell? So there's got to be a new birth. People got to be right with God. Um, and also, I'm, I've dealt some with the Americanized Christianity, uh, which is not Book of Acts Christianity. And this is a Christianity without any power. And people have substituted um, medical science for really praying for people and believing for healing. They substituted um, psychiatry instead of deliverance, driving out the enemy. And so it's a powerless thing. It's a worldly thing. And Christianity is, is not that way. Christianity is, the, is a powerful. Listen, when Jesus shows up, look at the scriptures. When Jesus shows up, lives will be changed. Okay, people will be healed. People will be delivered. And lives will never be the same. And I think many times, a lot of churches, um, we need to be praying like never before that the Lord Jesus move in power to change lives, okay? All right, so that's some things I've dealt with. I just wanted to recap very briefly before I entered into tonight. But in this sermon, I want to deal, I want to entitle it, it's part four, I want to entitle it Heaven's DNA. Because it's not going to be a works-based thing that's going to get you in heaven. It's not going to be your church membership and, and how much money you gave and all the different things you did. It's the fact that heaven's DNA is in you, okay? So let's look at a few things. Um, I'm going to read some scriptures there in your notes. If things come to mind, you want to jot these things down. I, I try to give out notes so that people can take them home and read over it through the week and pray over it. But 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, or you could say a new creation there. Old things pass away. Behold, new things have come, or all things become new. So the scripture is clear here that when we come into Christ, we are going to be a new creation. There's going to be a change on the inside. All the old will pass, and the new will come. I remember a minister I love was saying he went down to the Middle East, and there was this, this man he met in the Middle East. His name was Mark, and he was in a, a kind of a Muslim area, and he thought, man, you got like a Christian name. And he said, well, listen to this. He said, well, he said, in our area, you're either born into an Islamic family or you're born into a Christian family. And he says, I was, I was born into a Christian family. They gave me a Christian name. I'm a Christian. And he got to talking to him, and he found out the guy knows nothing about a new birth or anything like that. He's just, he was just born into, you're either going to be a Muslim or a Christian. Does this make sense? That's not how it works. Is it really any different in America? And 
And so we're dealing with heaven's DNA that there's got to be some kind of a heart change. See, the Lord does it this way. Man will try to change people from the outside. Do this, don't do that. And which do's and don'ts have their place. But the Lord operates like this. He will change you on the inside. He'll give you a new heart. So it's, you know, we look at this, and the Bible talks about a new birth, but there's other descriptive terms to what God's doing. He says that I will circumcise your heart. I will write my word on the tables of your heart. He said, I will put my seed, which is his word, in you, my living seed in you. The candle of the Lord is lit within. So God, the Spirit of God, will come to indwell a true believer, and they will have heaven's DNA now within them. And when this happens, they are no longer going to be able to feel comfortable living a life of sin. Even though they may not understand everything, you know, my wife has a powerful, powerful testimony coming to the Lord, and we're, we're publishing a book that will be out later this year with her full testimony and some teaching. But I remember reading about it, and she was saying that she knew nothing about the Lord. Her family were totally away from God. They were in the occult. They knew nothing about the Lord. So she had absolutely zero biblical training growing up, okay? And she was about to commit suicide. Many of you know the story. She found a Gideon Bible and she prayed. And when she prayed, she said she felt the Lord come into her. Now, you got to understand, here's somebody who has zero understanding of what's going on. But look at the difference. She went back home and she began to do some of the things that she had been doing before. But now, for no reason other than God lived in her, she felt guilty. She was like, why do I feel guilty about this? I don't need to keep doing this. Isn't that something? See, what happened was, even though she had zero knowledge of the Bible, and she had absolutely no church training, and she also had nobody to talk to at that time about the Lord, the Holy Spirit went inside of her, and he was beginning to deal with her heart. And he was saying to her, even though she didn't really understand, this grieves me, don't do this anymore. That's what I'm talking about. When heaven's DNA comes into you, you will be a new creation. I also firmly believe that we need to quit telling people that they're saved, and we need to do what the Bible says. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. Nobody has to tell me that I'm a Christian. People can tell me all day long that I'm not. I'll laugh at them because the Holy Spirit in me bears witness. I'll tell you a story about that. So there was a guy one time years ago that I worked with. And I was a born-again, at this time, born-again Christian. I knew the Lord. I was living for the Lord. I was spending time with the Lord. I know him. We have a relationship. And I'm going to work. And this guy's a part of one of these type churches that it's very cultish. They believe they're the only ones going to heaven. You guys ever met those people? All right. I'm not talking about they believe they're Christians now, but they believe they are the only ones that, you know, if you don't go to our church, you're going to hell. You know, that's why they feel. And so he's trying to witness to me. And of course, at first, I was very gracious and I was explaining to him, look, you know, I, I know the Lord. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. We're good. Thanks for witnessing, though. That's awesome. Until I found out what he's doing. He's going to other Christians trying to get them to go to his church so that they'll go to heaven. And I'm like, you're not really witnessing, man. You're trying to get people to convert to your little group over here. And so eventually, I kind of had to put my foot down with him. And, and I really believe he 
he feels probably to this day that I'm going to hell and is concerned for my soul, you know. But anyway, that's just the way it is with some people. But <laughs> salvation is not through a church. And I'll tell you something else. We need to quit being so quick about telling people, well, just say this little thing and now you're going to heaven no matter what you do. That's not biblical. There needs to be a born-again experience. The Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthians, to a church, and I've read this to you guys in past sermons, and he said to them, you better examine yourself and make sure you're in the faith. So as a preacher, that's what I try to do with people. I say, I don't care if you've been to church a thousand times. You know, people can go to hell with a communion wafer in their mouth, baptismal water still dripping off of them, holding a hymnal. You know, that's not, none of that's going to save you. Religion's not going to save you. You're going to, it's going to have to be a new birth and you're a new creation. Heaven's DNA is in you. And when that happens, you'll know it. You'll know it. Because the Spirit of God will indwell you. So let's read a few things. First John 3, starting with verse 4. Everyone who practices sin is also practices, or practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin. And in him there's no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, speaking of Jesus, is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God, everybody say, born of God. Nobody born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. That's the word of God. Because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. We got to love each other, guys. It's in the Bible. So if you, if you hate your brother, man, the Bible says you're not in a good place. But, you know, the Bible makes it really clear here that there's a, a distinction, okay? If you're truly born of God and God's seed, that's the word, and God's seed is in you, you're not going to continue a life of sin. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean that you won't struggle at first because it's probably quite likely you will. But it means that you will not continue that way, though. You, you will desire to live righteous and even though you may struggle even though you may stumble the Lord will help you and he'll strengthen you and he'll deliver you of things and he'll teach you but you will not feel comfortable see somebody that's a true child of God will not feel comfortable going out and living an unrepentant life of sin and feel comfortable in that they won't feel comfortable because the Holy Spirit will be convicting them so strongly that they will be miserable how many of you guys have ever had the Holy Spirit convict you? Man, I have. And he knows how to get our attention. All right, John 14, 15. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. 1 John 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Isn't that awesome that... You know, God knows we're not going to be perfect, and he knows that we're going to stumble, and he knows that we're going to have our struggles, but we have an advocate. Jesus ever lives to make intercession, and God is so patient with us. 
You know, the Bible says, though, a righteous man will fall seven times, God will keep lifting him up. So God will help you. He'll lift you up. He'll strengthen you. He'll forgive you if you come to him. In verse 2, he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So there it is again. You know that you've come to know Jesus if you keep his commandments. And I go back to that story with my wife when she, she had nobody teaching her the Bible, nobody to talk to, but yet just the Holy Spirit living in her alone, she knew, I need to quit doing this. This isn't right. All right, verse uh, 3. By this we know who have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Verse 4, the one who says, I have come to know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has been truly perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So be like Jesus. In other words, John is saying, be like Jesus. You know, there is this, John mentions it here twice in 1 John, but he's alluding to the teaching that Jesus Christ did in John 15 that we read about, where he said that I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me and my word abides in him. He'll ask what he will and it'll be done. But there is this place of abiding and what abiding has to do with is relationship. Relationship. That we're spending time with the Lord and that we are studying his word. So we're abiding in that relationship where we're talking to him, we're spending time with him, we're listening to him. But also at the same time, we're reading and studying the word of God. So as John said, he that abides in Jesus and his word abides. Those are two things. So you have the relationship and you have the word. But as you fellowship with the Lord. So how is it that the Father is on his throne in heaven and Jesus is seated at the right hand? How is it that we really have this relationship? It is by the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I believe 13, 14, you can look it up if I'm wrong, but he said, may the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we know the Lord by the Holy Spirit. And I may be getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but, you know, in, in uh, Romans, I believe, chapter 8, it says this. It says that those that are sons of God are led by the Spirit. And did you know in the Greek there, you have to understand the Hebrew culture too. The Hebrew culture, to be a son meant maturity. So if you were going to move now from being a little infant to becoming a son, it meant that you were growing up. You were maturing. And in the Greek, it implies there, not just led by the Spirit once in your life, but those that are continually led by the Spirit. Let me say it again. The Greek implies not that it's just a one-time thing, but it implies those that are continually led by the Spirit or sons of God. So there has to be this relationship. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they follow me and so as we spend time with the Lord and we learn to abide in him in prayer and we learn to walk in him what is happening is is the Lord is developing our inner man to where we can have fellowship with the Holy Spirit and so we're going to be led by the Spirit and the, the Spirit of God will speak to us he'll tell us you need to witness this person you need to stay away from that 
you need to stay away from that person over there you know things like that or you need to read this book you need to do this he'll draw you to the right church to go to the holy spirit he is he's so amazing we love the holy spirit so much but he's the one that lives in us and is abiding in us and teaching us the word and and guiding us through our lives okay so let me encourage you to learn the fellowship of the holy spirit and the holy spirit he will strengthen you to overcome a lot of people really don't understand the grace of god because they think that it's a license to sin and the way they teach that's what they're implying but the grace of god is not some kind of a license to sin the grace of god means favor and you know what grace of god in your life is the holy spirit will arise within you and give you the grace to overcome things that's really the grace of god he's not going to leave you in a place of bondage or leave you in a place of unrepentant sin the holy spirit will convict and then he will strengthen you and empower you to overcome all right and then ephesians 5 6 let no one deceive you with empty words because of these things the wrath of god comes upon the sons of obedience or disobedience you know the thing is think about this phrase the wrath of god comes upon the disobedient how many people out there say well you know hey i'm a christian i go to church this that and the other but they live a life of total disobedience to jesus christ and the word that regardless of whatever their mouth says it is not going to matter on judgment day because god knows the truth he knows who are his and who aren't who are not his and the wrath of god will be stored up for the disobedient period whether people like that or not that's just the way it's going to be therefore do not be partakers with them for you were formerly in darkness but now you are light in the lord and we as children of light for the fruit of light consists in all goodness righteousness and truth look at this trying to learn what is pleasing to the lord do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness but instead expose them for it is disgraceful to even speak of the things which are done by them in secret but i want you to notice verse 10 trying to learn what is pleasing to the lord so paul had grown up as a jewish rabbi and he was around the word of god his whole life and so the hebrew culture knew um, what pleased god and what didn't that was very common to them but now that christ came and he died the gospel was for both Jew and gentile and so the gospel was going to go from what jerusalem judea samaria to the ends of the earth and god really used paul to help take it out to the ends of the earth and so he's speaking here to the ephesians and you have a lot of people that were gentile that had no previous training kind of like what i was talking about with my wife they had no training about what pleased god and what didn't and so paul was telling them you need to learn what pleases the lord and what does not are y'all hear what i'm saying we need to get into the word and learn what god says pleases him and what god says does not please him and so these these new believers had to begin to learn that they had to renounce their pagan demon gods that they worship they had to learn that they could no longer go to the pagan temples and worship those demon gods and offer up sacrifices to them they had to quit that they had to learn that they had to be faithful to their wife and, and get away from fornication and adultery and any sexual immorality, etc. And so when people truly come to know Jesus 
and they're born of God. God's seed is in them. And they're a new creation. They have heaven's DNA. You will see the fruit of repentance. You'll see that they'll go home and they're going to dump the drugs into the toilet and flush them. They're going to go get all the liquor out of their cabinet. They're going to start dumping it down the sink. They're going to go gather up the pornography and they're going to destroy it and get it out of their home. If they've been involved in, in witchcraft and occult stuff, they're going to gather that garbage up. They're going to take it to some trash can and they're going to burn it. The fruit of repentance because they're a new creation. So from glory to glory, 2 Corinthians 3, 7. But if the ministry of death and letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently on the face of Moses because of the glory of his face was fading though it was, how, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? A lot of people don't understand the glory of the Lord. This weighty presence that you feel as we're worshiping tonight, you feel this heavy presence come in. That's the glory, the manifest presence. So the glory without rabbit trailing too far okay i've got i've learned self-control about that preaching all these years i got it all right but this is just a mini rabbit trail but as we go down this the glory of the lord in hebrew um, the hebrew language would be two words the shekinah we call the shekinah that was more of the abiding presence you saw in the tabernacle there was a cloud there was a fire many people down through church history have seen a physical visible glory in their midst many i remember this happened at the azusa street revival it's documented many witnesses that they were more than one time that the fire trucks came to azusa street mission because people had called in that it caught fire because they saw some kind of a flame on the top and they saw like a smoke a cloud and in azusa the people that were there in the revival they said that there was continually some kind of like um a, it looked like smoke like a cloud on the floor and people would come in and they begin to worship and back then they didn't have all the awesome sound equipment stuff we have today and, and all the fancy but they had this guy on a piano but they said that whenever they began to really worship and they would worship some, many times in tongues at Azusa as they began to worship they said it was that piano would sound much bigger than what it was it would sound like all of a sudden other instruments were there and the voices it sounded like heaven was singing and they said that that glory would come up and people would open their eyes and they would be like a tangible cloud of God's glory in that place so that's the Shekinah but the other word is the Chabod and that's like a in the English would be a KVD or KBD the Chabod or the Chabod and what that is it is the weighty heavy presence of God I remember that years ago a man prayed with me it was actually a very powerful time of prayer and um, after he prayed for me I've yeah, I've been hit by the power many times and hopefully many more times in the future but as I was down on the ground I could not move the glory of God was so heavy on me but it was a glorious thing it was awesome and it was just a powerful time I thought I was out for a few minutes but people told me no you were you were down there for like an hour so the glory is this weighty, heavy presence of God. How many of you guys in River of Life have gotten prayer and you felt that heavy presence? Raise, wave at me. Many of you. 
you felt just this weighty, thick, heavy presence of God. That's the glory. And so even before Christ, when the law was given to Moses on Sinai, God appeared on Sinai, and here we are coming upon Pentecost, Shavuot. And this is part of the revelation of Pentecost. God appeared on that mountain, and there was what? Fire and smoke. The sound of a loud shofar. And Moses went up into that cloud, spent time with God, and his face was shining. But even under the law of Moses, there was a glory in the midst of his people. That tabernacle was there. And Paul was saying, if that came with glory, how much more so in Christ is there going to be a greater glory? All right. So verse 8, how would the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was the glory, much more that which remains is in the glory. And so in the King James, it says that we move with unveiled faces from glory to glory. There is a greater increase of the glory. All right, so let me kind of start winding this down here. But what I want to share with that is this. As people come to know Jesus, there's a new birth. And the seed of God's in you. You're going to begin to repent and change. But the Lord knows that all of us, that there's going to be some struggling at first. There's going to be sin that's still there. And there's going to be some, you know, just challenges that you're going to have to overcome. And the Lord's very patient with that. And he wants us to move from just being infants to growing up in Christ and being mature. In other words, as we come to maturity, the old things, remember the first scripture I read? All things are now becoming new, and the old is passing away. So he's wanting all these old struggles that people used to have to begin to pass away. They used to really struggle with lust, but as they went after God, God began to pull that junk out of them, and now it's like it was something that has passed away, and now they're coming into a life of victory over that. And, you know, you could use many different examples. But the Lord is wanting us to be able to go from glory to glory. But here's some things to consider. I'm not going to preach on this much tonight. I will do more so next week. I actually feel the Lord wants me to minister on the healing ministry next week. So I believe that's going to be a good time. But anyway, let's look at this. The Lord knows that many times people have got to have inner healing. They've had a broken heart. They've been through a lot of hurt in life. And so the Lord knows that their inner person, the spirit, the soul area, has got to be healed. And so that begins by truly forgiving from the heart. We first make a decision to forgive, and that, those that are familiar with these things, that's going to cancel Satan's legal right by forgiving. You're making a decision to do it. But it needs to go deeper in that because Jesus said forgiving from the heart. And so that's a reference in the Greek. This is very important. In the Greek, the King James will translate that word many times like bowels or stomach. And the reason why is because it's not really your physical heart that's beating. It's talking about your spirit, your inner man. And Jesus is saying, if I could paraphrase it, you need to forgive from your deepest inner man, from your heart. 
It's not just a head knowledge. It's not just your intellect, but you're forgiving from your spirit. And when you'll really do that, then there'll be a peace and a freedom and there'll be healing that comes. Um, so many times people need inner healing. Also, people need generational cleansing. This is a big one. So many, many times people have had things in their family bloodline that has traveled down family lines that is really an issue. And that can be a very powerful evil force. And many of you are familiar with that. But the Lord can and will deliver you, but you've got to pray about it. That's why we have, in our ministry, we have what we call deliverance questionnaire. People can fill out and we'll pray with them. But many people have experienced when they've prayed with us in that way, because we prayed about generational issues being cleared away, they said they felt so clean and free, and it was like this weight lifted off them and something just totally broke off them. Wave at me if you felt that before praying with us. See, several people. And so that's the generational cleansing that God purges your bloodline. Number three, you need to clean out your home. Because people will have things in their home that maybe is Freemasonic or it's occult, it's witchcraft, it's pentagrams, goat's heads, movies about witchcraft, other things that are occult, and they have that in their home. They don't realize that that's acting like a lightning rod to draw those type of demonic spirits in your home. You don't want that in your home. Just trust me as a pastor. I don't have time to go into the depth, but you do not want that stuff in your home. And the demonic that it brings... People will have in their home many times things that are pornographic or sexually explicit or things that cause lust. You don't want that in your home. You don't realize the type of spirit that you can allow in your home. Also, the strife and the fighting that takes place in homes, the talking bad about pastors and preachers and churches and the bad-mouthing. You want a foul-smelling spirit in your home. Do that in your home. Sit around and bad-mouth churches and preachers and and other christians that's a that's a foul spirit so you need to clean out your home you need to go through and get the junk out if there's stuff in there that's a cult movies ouija boards whatever it is get it out you need to get anything sexual you need to get anything that would cause lust anything um that would be violent or fearful like those slasher movies you know that stuff can bring fear and darkness into a home and also it be careful with the uh, the uh, profanity you know people i'm telling you the holy spirit you people want god's presence in their home and peace in their home and then they click something on it's gd this mf this and cuss and profanity that grieves the holy spirit and don't be surprised if his presence starts lifting off your home so guard your home let it be a place that you apply the blood of jesus you take communion you get any junk out you need to get out go through and anoint the rooms pray over it bless it and say out loud anything in this home that's not of christ's kingdom i bind you get out of here right now in jesus name clean house first but you'll feel something lift off your home many times and you don't even know what's there before you got there what did they do there who did what was there murder was there death was it what was there so all right, then I got to move on. But also personal baggage. That's why, again, we have that deliverance questionnaire. Many people now coming to Jesus have come out of all kinds of stuff. You know, here in America, maybe back 60 years ago, 70 years ago, you know, people would have got saved, and some of the worst things they maybe did was chew tobacco 
or maybe cuss somebody out, you know. But now it's like people have been involved in all kinds of occult stuff. They've been sleeping around. They've been, you know, playing around with um, illegal drugs and all this different stuff. And, and they don't realize that they're getting in all kinds of demonic bondage. And so many times when we're praying for people that are new, new believers and just breaking off them stuff from their past, um, there's stuff lifting off them and leaving them that's of the devil. But it's because they opened the door to it. So you need to do some self-evaluation and get any baggage out of your life that's trying to follow you into your new Christian walk. And finally, I really don't want to talk about this much. I'll deal with it more next week. But, you know, the Lord in the courtroom, you know, Satan is the accuser. And many times people pray and they, they feel like that their prayers haven't been answered, whether it was um, healing or whether it was financial or whether it was major big things in their life really pray you know the bible says in, in revelation without getting into this this is again just something i can touch on it and, and go off quickly but satan is the accuser and many times satan is accusing god's people and the lord is a righteous judge and satan is looking for some kind of a legal area that he can accuse us okay he's a legalist but if you'll really go before the court of heaven, you'll go before the Lord and you will truly confess and repent of your sins and confess and repent of the sins of your ancestors and you'll really forgive people from your heart. You can go up there and you can ask the Lord to clear away all that garbage, all those accusations of the enemy. This is too deep of a subject for me to go deep into, but there's a lot of things. See, many times people wonder why their prayers aren't answered. You know, there's a lot of blockages many times that people don't see so anyway before the courtroom God is a righteous judge and his in the blood of Jesus speaks on our behalf before the Lord did y'all know that Hebrews says that the blood of Jesus is better than the blood of Abel and it speaks on our behalf and those that are familiar with the Bible you understand the reference remember Abel's blood cried out from the ground to God so there the the writer of Hebrews is probably Paul. But anyway, he said, the blood of Jesus speaks on our behalf. So when we go before the courtroom of heaven and you go before the Father, um, you go before the Lord Jesus as a judge, and he is a judge. Remember, he gave the, that wicked judge, gave the persistent widow justice. But she was persistent. That's not saying God is that way, but it's saying that if a wicked judge would do it, then you better keep going after God about it. But anyway, you can go before the Lord and don't go before God in your own righteousness don't go based on your church attendance and your good works and how good you are how I many knows that's a big mistake we go before the lord humbly and just say lord it is by the blood of jesus that i am the righteousness of god my works are filthy rags but i come before you and i'm standing on the fact that the blood speaks on my behalf the blood has made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The blood declares my sins are forgiven. You see what I'm saying? When you approach that way, you can say, Lord, clear out every accusation, every attack, everything the enemy has is, is been coming against me. All right, that'll be more next week. Let me close this thing out. Delivering uh, or developing the relationship. Matthew 23, 34. Therefore, behold, I'm sending you. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm sending you prophets and wise men and scribes you know what scribes were these were people that wrote things down so jesus was saying that they were going to be 
his some of his people were going to be scribes that would that would write down the word of god it would end up being compiled into what we know as the bible today are you following me jesus not only sent prophets he not only sent wise men but he sent scribes because he knew that matthew would write the gospel matthew he knew that john would write the gospel john and first thing and third john he knew that that john would also write revelation he knew that there would be scribes that would write the word some of them you'll kill and crucify and others you'll scourge in your synagogues persecute from city to city second timothy 2 15 be diligent and present yourself approved of god as a workman who does not need to be ashamed look at this accurately handling the word of truth the king james says rightly dividing the word of truth we need to know the word for ourselves second corinthians 13 14 the grace of the lord jesus the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all in romans 8 14 for all who are being led by the spirit of god these are sons of god god wants us to grow up into christ and develop a personal relationship with the lord i don't have time to get into this long i'm going to close with these last couple of thoughts here but jesus taught us you know remember the disciples said lord teach us to pray and so there's a pattern and let me show you something and it's going to be quick so just follow me and give me your best ear but jesus said our father so number one we're children of god by the blood so we come before the lord through the blood if you will come through the blood and you'll say lord wash me in the blood maybe you, you take the lord's supper i do but you can take communion you come through the blood you're washed in the blood and approach god through the blood the blood is what allows you access into the holy of holies into god's presence that's why i've always felt led to take communion at the beginning of service that we do because people get washed and covered in the blood and it helps us to come into god's presence all right secondly our father hallowed be your name worship so you come through the blood and then you worship the lord spend some time in praise and worship and then he said your kingdom come you will be done on earth as it is in heaven you begin to pray pray for his kingdom pray for his will to be done pray for lost loved ones pray for america pray for the revival you know etc you're praying for the purposes of god in the earth and then after that then give us this day our daily bread so you begin to pray about personal needs in your life and then jesus said don't lead us into temptation you know you're praying lord you know don't let me end up into these places of being tested and tried and tempted and struggling and all that but help deliver me from evil and so i always quote psalm 91 about god delivering us from the evil one he that dwells in the secret place we abide under the shadow of the almighty and so there's like this pattern of prayer and it's similar to the tabernacle you had the blood at the bronze altar and then when you went into the I mean, you could have communion so to speak the the communion table but you would go in and there was the incense of praise and worship prayer and intercession it was the same type of pattern but god is wanting us to learn how to pray and develop a personal relationship i've said this in probably every sermon but you examine yourself make sure you're in the faith i remember there was a guy i knew um, years ago he was born into a christian family he was college age he was a friend of mine and we were all studying things together in the word and we were part of this group in this church and 
we were doing witnessing. This was probably 95, 96. And we were doing different things in street evangelism, etc. And to be honest with you, I could always tell that he didn't really seem like other people there. But anyway, I never said anything. But later, I'll explain what happened. Later, there was this pastor at this church, and he really preached the word. And he called people, you know, into salvation. This guy realized that his whole life that his mother told him, you're a Christian and you're saved. He just thought he was. Now, he's telling me this. I didn't tell him this. He's telling me. He said, I realized that I never really was born again. I had been in church. He was looking to go to Bible school. I had been in church. I had been around the things of God. But I had never really prayed, and, and the Lord gave me a new birth and changed me. So I never had that happen. My mother just always told me I was. Thank God that God showed him. You know, you know how sad that would be? That there's, it's possible that there's going to be preachers, that there's going to be people that sit in church pews that are going to be in hell one day and never really got things right with God. It's a scary thought. All right, and here's the last thing I want to say. A place of great revival. Some of you guys, God is really pouring out his spirit in your life. And God's really been touching you very powerfully. And let me encourage you about lingering in the presence of the Lord. Two men in the Bible that God used in an extraordinary way, Samuel and Joshua. And Samuel, the Bible shows us in Samuel, I believe it was 2 Samuel 3, 3. You can look up the reference, but when Samuel was younger, he would go in and he would go into the holy place of the tabernacle. His mother had given him over to the Lord completely, so he was adopted into the priesthood. But he would go in and he'd burn that incense and worship the Lord and pray. And the Bible says that he would lay down by the ark. And he would just stay there in God's presence. I can just picture Samuel, that he was old enough to understand what to do. Eli taught him, and so now... He's going in. He does the evening sacrifice, the lambs killed, all that. He goes in now, table of showbread, the menorah. He trims the wicks, makes sure everything's the way it's supposed to be. It's burning. He goes up. He's got the incense. He's burning the incense. He's worshiping and praying before the Lord. And because he senses God's presence, he doesn't want to leave. But most likely what he did I mean, it, he just says he laid by the ark. I mean, he might have went into the Holy of Holies. I don't know. But you're not supposed to. So I'm assuming he went on the other side of the golden altar and he laid next to that veil and scooted all the way up against it as close to the ark as he could get. And he laid down and the menorah was still lit. So there was still that, that fire and you could see that. And he just laid in God's presence. The smell of that incense was in there and he was just there. He just wanted to be in the presence of the Lord. He was soaking in the glory. And in that place, the Bible says the Lord began to speak to Samuel. And God called out to him, Samuel. And he, he didn't know it was the Lord. And so he got up and he ran out and he, he went to Eli and said, what, what do you need? Well, after a couple times this, Eli said, it's not me. When, when you hear that again, it's the Lord. So say back to the Lord, speak, your servant's listening. But Samuel, out of that place of intimacy with the Lord, 
Samuel ended up being a great man of God, great man of God. He anointed Saul, he anointed David. He, he was an incredible man. His, his life is, you should read First and Second Samuel, it's amazing. Um, Joshua, when it was time for Moses to, to, you know, he's old now, it was time for him to die. It was time for there to be a successor. Moses laid hands on Joshua, and the Bible says that the spirit that was on Moses came on Joshua, and that was his successor. But you wonder, why didn't Moses pick somebody else other than Joshua? Joshua was, he was of a different tribe that was not Levitical. Um, you know, he wasn't a, a close relative to Moses. And so you wonder why, but I believe here's the reason. It says in the Bible about Joshua that whenever they were in the presence of the Lord together at first in the tent of meeting, which was Moses' tent, God was there first in the glory. Later it moved over to the tabernacle when they built it. But Moses would leave and Joshua would just stay and soak in God's presence and he didn't want to leave. I believe that that was preparing Joshua to be Moses' successor. So when you get prayer tonight, you know, whatever God does in your life, sometimes people can't stand, they fall. Um, others just go and find a place after they get prayer just to soak in the Lord. But don't be so quick to jump out of God's presence. Think about what I said tonight about Samuel, to just soak in his presence and talk to the Lord. And let God speak to you. Let God show you things, okay? Catherine Kuhlman said that that was the place of great anointing. That she would soak in God's presence before she went out to minister. And of course, all these healings and miracles happen. So, and it's in that place of soaking in the Lord's presence that many times there can be an intimacy with God. You can learn his voice. You know, God can show you things that you need to see. All right, so Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. I pray that we'll never be the same. Let this really get into us, Lord, that we will know you. We will know your word for ourselves. And Lord, we will have a relationship with your spirit, and we will walk with God. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for your word. Let this be sealed in every heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.